back to our travellers and welcome to all of our visitors and those who have been to the Cook Islands of late. And next time let me carry your bags over, all right? That would be fantastic, I reckon. So uh, we've been working uh, through the last two weeks and now in our third week of uh, looking at the parable of the lost or the parables of the lost. And as the boys throw that up for me, uh, who remembers two weeks ago, what was the first parable? Parable of the Lost Sheep. Well done, Pastor Rodney. Go to the head of the class. Uh, the second parable I shared on last week was the parable of the lost coin. And uh, that, that was equating to about a day's wages. And for some in the room, your day's wages might be 100 bucks, and others in the room, your wages, you might be an extremely busy person, and you might get four or $500. That's a high, significant value that that coin was worth. Amen? So um, this week, we're going to be looking at, at another parable. But as we lead into that, just by way of introduction today, I wanted to uh, just sort of touch base on why the Lord has been leading us in these parables and just share with what he's been saying to us and uh, encouraging of you today. Is, is that all right? Can we do that? Go for it. So we, we looked at the parable of the lost sheep, and, and we, we drew uniquely from that, from what I believe God has been saying to us uh, directly for our time. And, and ultimately, the parable of the lost sheep gives us this picture. And, and in the first week, I shared around uh, the picture of the compass. One, one degree shift in the compass is enough that would change the direction that we're walking. If we walk in that direction long enough, what can happen is we would end up entirely in a different location than where Jesus wanted us to be. And it's, it's really easy to get lost. You don't have to be lost just by turning a whole 180 degrees away from Jesus. You can easily get lost just by making a decision that says, I want to go this way instead of following the plans for his life. And, and where as a church, we've been called to pursue the lost. And, and in this case, it was the lost sheep. And, and, and the encouragement to us in the, in the sharing of the, lost, the parable of the lost sheep is that we would pursue the sheep because it can't find its way back. And in most cases, or some cases, it, it, the sheep could be caught up in the in the briars and the bushes could be caught up in like um, the, the black current with all the thorns. It could be just caught there. And, 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 a, and a picture came to me as that happened. It's like well, sheep and, and goats are the same. Has anyone ever seen those videos where the, the goats are popping rocks on the cliff and then you get the eagles coming down and just knocking them off the cliff, the kid falling to their death and then the Eagle has a very simple and easy meal. Ultimately, that's what can happen. If we walk in that wrong direction long enough, we, we come to that place where, where, where we're easy prey, easy target. And we're we called to go and to save the lost sheep. So, so it can't be, be stranded. It can't be lost and easy pickings for the enemy. So that's the first one. The second one was the lost coin. And, and the lost coin speaks something that was of value to the person. And, and we, we, we unpack the fact that God has placed a value on your life. And that value is found by what he was prepared to pay for your life. It's more than a day's wages. It was the life of his son, Jesus Christ. And, and the challenge of the parable is that when we, 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 we come to that place 
of accepting that we have got stuff and turmoil and all sorts of things in our life that we must submit to God, that we, like the, the woman that, that was in the parable, we sweep the house clean, which means we expose ourselves to the love of God and let the love of God transform the way we think and, and deal with the issues in our life, deal with the very things that, that become offensive to others. Do you know that sometimes we can give off a good smell? a pleasing aroma, and other times we can actually let off a stench. And, and sometimes, if you remember, Jesus is actually dealing with some stinky people, some stinking thinking, right? The, the very start of this found in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is, 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 is being accused, he's, he's being uh, ridiculed, and, and really uh, he's being scoffed at, because he is spending time with undesirable people. Oh, no. Like, he's spending time with sinners. God forbid. He's spending time having a meal with a prostitute. He's, he's spending time with tax collectors, the dirtiest of dirty people. And the religious folk come up to him and they scoff at him, looking down their nose. At Jesus, and so he's dealing with not necessarily the stinky people of sin. He's dealing with the stinky attitudes of the religious, and so Jesus, he's he's talking about this coin in that it's something that is precious and valuable. And we discovered last week that often churches and individuals in churches have caused many to walk away from their faith. Have caused many to walk away because of things that we've said or things that we've done or things that we've heard. And, and even churches as a whole, they, they've, they've mismanaged children and mismanaged relationships and, and, and we had to deal with that kind of stuff, right? Because isn't the coin valuable? How much more is the value of a life? So, so this is just putting us into this perspective of God's talking quite uniquely to us in this time and and why, why I wanted to do these, uh, these messages was I, I, beforehand I was praying and I was like, God, I've got nothing to share. I don't know. You know, we're coming out of the Transform series. And I don't know what I'm going to share. And I, I started to feel anxiety. Who, who suffers with anxiety? I, I started to feel that anxiety myself. And I'm like, what am I going to be able to do? I don't, I don't have anything to give. I, don't have, I can't speak like Rick Warren. You'll go, thank God for that. No, um, like, I, I can't do that. But, and, and, and as I started to pray about it, God just gave me some things, as he faithfully does. He always does. He gives us something to share. And, and, and we, he started to talk to me about the parable of the lost, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the, the lost sons. And, and, and I'm like, okay. And, and I started to pray about this, and I felt that we are in this season where where uh, increase, see that big word there, increase, it, it, it's, it's, it's very particular to what God's doing with us at the moment. There's, there's a period of increase. Who knows that faith is not always by the natural eyes. You see the eyes of faith. So, so we've got to learn to unpack what God's saying in around the area of increase. 
An increase for me leads to harvest. And, and as I'm thinking about this and I'm praying about this and I'm talking about this, the very first two parables to me relate to this area of increase. When we talk about the harvest, we talk about being busy. When we talk about getting ready for the harvest, who knows that it's actually even busier? Because an increase speaks to me about a busy period that we're in right now. Busy getting things right. Busy making sure that the, that the, the, the storehouse is clean and ready to receive the grain. Busy making sure that, if we, we just use the analogies of today, making sure the machinery is repaired and maintenance has been happening. Making sure that uh, the truck hasn't been forgotten about and has been registered for its, its short period of time. Making sure that, that we're ready in ourselves, that we've been eating good, healthy meals. And, and, I, and I think that we forget as churches and we forget as individuals within a church that the kingdom of God to advance means that we are to be busy. And the question comes, what are we busy doing? And we're in this place of increase. And, and, and I asked the first service this morning, who, who likes being busy? A good couple of people like being busy. Well, expect to get busier because increase leads us to a place where we head into harvest. Does that make sense? Well, and the first two, uh, the first two messages, the first level is this this idea of restoring the sheep, restoring those who are lost. And God's been talking to me specifically about two particular families, two particular families that that, that, that I'm praying for and believing that I'll get the opportunity to lead them back into not just not just church, but into a deeper relationship with God. Two specific families that would fall for me into this category. And if I got busy about that, we would see 10 people come and join the church because they've got kids. Imagine if, imagine if all of you got that perspective and felt that God was leading you to pray for and lead a, a lost family back into the fold. Imagine what would happen is when it comes in the place of increase. Increase. And then the second one was the second one that we were looking at was this, this whole sense of the, the coin, that, that, that which was of value. There are so many people walking around in our community that they, they want you to talk about Jesus, but they want no mention of the church because the church has offended them. The church has affected them. Their reference to the church is something of more like the religious piety of the Pharisees than what it is in the freedom of God. And the grace of Jesus in our life. And this whole comes to increase. If, if, if we were able to reach the sheep and if we were able to reach the coins, then, then I think we're starting to get the place ready for what God is wanting to do in the sense of harvest. Because that's not harvest. That's getting ready for harvest. And we've got a responsibility to find the sheep. We've got a responsibility to find that coin. We've got a responsibility to see that they're restored back into fellowship and serving God. Because we want to bring in, we want to see the storehouses full. But the third level, and, and it's just a simple question mark, what does that look like? The third level is this, like, and I think this one's going to talk to us directly today around what does the third level look like? And I think the third level is, is actually harvest. Jesus tells us to lift up our eyes when the harvest is right, the harvest is ready. And, and, and what we do, this is, this is just an observation. I've been a Christian for 30 years. 
This is just the observation of what I've seen in church history and church life. And, and, and it doesn't necessarily happen that often here, but it still happens. And what happens is what we do is we get on fire for God and we want to be about the harvest. Because Jesus says, pray that the Lord would send harvesters into the field. That means, Lord, send me, send me into the field that I would see a harvest reaped for you. We would pray and pray and pray, but then we would not get necessarily activated or active in the going. Does that make sense? Like we're kind of, yep, I don't know how to do it. Or, yep, uh, I've had a go and, and I've got some ridicule, so I can't do that anymore. And what happens is we, we, we move from, from faith and we start to put doctrine around stuff. And what we do is, well, let's be even more faithful. Let's be even more powerful in our prayers. Let's start to pray for revival. Because isn't that a good prayer? God, send revival. Send the people into the church. Bring them in. Fill the storehouse. Send them in, God. And God's saying, but you've got to bring them in. You've got to harvest. You've got to do the work. And we're saying, God, you do the work. Send them in. Bring in the harvest. Do you see the dichotomy here? There's a, there's a problem here. There's a tension that's at play. Because this is not a bad prayer. It might be a little bit misguided and a mis bit misdirected. But this is a better prayer. Lord, send me. Isn't it? So this is what this parable is going to talk to today. This, this sense of, for me, I actually believe that an increase comes before the harvest. Increase comes before the harvest. It's easier to talk to someone who has a reference for God about God than it is to talk to someone who has no reference of God about God. So it's, it should be easier for us to go and find a lost sheep than it is to go and reap the harvest from a personal perspective. That I should be able to talk to someone because I've at least got common ground when it comes to Jesus. Does that make sense? So increase must come because what it does is it means it starts to get you active and getting prepared and getting ready for the harvest. Am I talking to the right audience? That, 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 that I'm actively working on the maintenance, making sure that there's grease and oil in all of the machinery, making sure that it's ready and the battery is charged so that when I go into the harvest, I've got form. I'm ready. I'm able to step out and I know my machine, if I'm talking harvester, is going to work. And for us, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the battery charge in our life. So increase comes before the harvest. So we can't look at this season that we're in and despise it. We've got to start to look at it with anticipation that God is causing us to move and act and to see people restored. Because he is not in the business of seeing people lost. He's in the business of reconciliation. Amen? So this is the big concept that, that increase has to come before the harvest.
So today as we look at the parable of the lost son, then we're going to open up and, and read that parable and then hopefully God will speak to us through the points that I have today. So would you stand with me as I read this passage of scripture for you? It's a long passage, but the reason I want you to stand is so you don't sleep while I read this passage. Is that all right? Yes, Pastor Steve. It's great. I'm on my feet. I jumped up as soon as you said, stand with me. Awesome. Awesome. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 32, which is the end of the passage. It's a long one. Why don't you close your eyes as I read to you. And he said, this is Jesus. Remember in response to the Pharisees, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my, the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him any. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go look to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. In other words, he fell on his neck, kissing him. And the son said to him, verse 21, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. There's a bit of a change here, verse 25. It says, Now his oldest son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked that these things, what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat, that I might celebrate with my friends. And this son of yours said, Cain, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It's fitting to celebrate and be glad. This your brother was dead. 
is a lie. It is lost. It is found. Praise God. Find him out. Take your seats this morning. I've heard many people refer to this parable in many different ways. Um, today it's called the lost son. In, in your Bibles, uh, if you've got a little bit of an older translation, it might be called the prodigal son. For others, um, I've heard them refer to it as it actually should be called the parable of the, the loving father because it's really about the grace and goodness and love of our God toward us. Uh, Timothy Keller calls it the, the parable of the lost sons. He refers to the two sons. And, and uh, Ian Miller, who was here and left over to go to America, he would refer to it as the parable of the four sons. And it's, it's from that thinking, the parable of the four sons, that I just want to open it up a bit today and talk into that, if that's okay. The parable of the four sons. So son number one. Son number one. Everyone say son number one. Who's really son number two. So he was actually the second son, right? Son number one was actually son number two because he was the second son. Not to confuse you, but just to throw that out there to get your brain thinking. He was the younger one. He was the one who was the selfish one. He was the one who was wasteful. And you see here on the picture, he comes to this place of depravity. He comes to this place of desperation where he's even starting to desire the foods, the pods that the pigs would eat. This is the son, the, the, the second son, uh, this, 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 the younger son, but he was really the first son in the story. This son approaches his dad. And I know if, don't know if you've ever, ever thought about this. What son would disrespect his father in such a way? He approaches his dad and basically says to him, I wish you were dead. Oh, Pastor Steve, that's a pretty hard way of saying it. No. In his culture, to ask for money, to ask for your inheritance, to ask for the things that you are not necessarily ready to, to, to have, is to ask that you would prefer that person to be dead so that you can have what was rightfully yours. Now what son would do that? What son would spit in the face of his father and practically say, I wish you were dead? How disrespectful was this? It's uncultural. It is not sunlight in any way, shape or form. And this is a... a a thing that Jesus is using to shock his audience. It's, it's, it's being used to just say, this is like the worst thing that could happen to a very wealthy family. Jesus is describing the very people that the Pharisees are stopping at. Sons who are now wasting their inheritance on sinful living, sinful lifestyles. Whether or not they're Jew or Gentile is Jesus' intention, I believe, does not matter. Because when we go back far enough, we all come from one of these two sons, from this kind of thinking. We're either wasteful in the way we're living, or we're scoffing and prideful in the way we're living. This son, this this son represents the nature of humanity. And it's the nature of humanity that gets us into trouble. 
It's the nature of humanity that, that really pulls us down. This youngest son is possibly only somewhere around the age of 17 to 18, maybe 20 years of age at the most. And I said, uh, I've always said, you know, sometimes the teenage years are the, the most trialing because um, it's kind of like the young is dumb kind of concept, you know, like we just don't know enough and therefore we make stupid decisions and it's called young and dumb for some reason. But he's got these eyes for the city lights. He's got these eyes to go and live in the way that would make him feel better. You ever felt like that? I just want to do something that's going to make me feel good. Well, that's what he's doing. But in doing that, he's actually disrespecting and disowning his father in doing so. He stoops to the lowest point because he's lured by the spirit of lust and greed. And those two things will strip you of your wealth and your dignity and your standing in your community. It will even strip you from your family. This son stoops to the lowest level within society just to scrape by. And it's kind of like, this is what God does. It's kind of like he allows this to happen because of the selfishness of the will of this young boy. He allows him to waste it because we all have free will. He allows him to get to a place of depravity. And then a famine comes on the land. Wait. So it's not easy to get work. And he finds himself having to go for his culture to the most despised of Gentiles, a pig farmer. Not only has he gone to a Gentile for assistance, he's gone to a Gentile who is now a pig farmer, which was not kosher. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah? Right. Okay. So he does this. And he does it for the next Zen moment, the next Zenith, the pinnacle of his life, that whole sense of, well, it's all about me and it's not about my dad. Then we look at the ultimate truth of what should have happened when that son asked for his inheritance. What should have happened in the cultural context and the way the Pharisees would have understood it was that that father was to disown his son. He actually, by law, would have been able to pick up a stone and point. In other words, you go or you're dead to me. Like literally, go or I'm going to stone you to death. Culturally and by law, he would have been able to do that. And by sending him out, he, he, would have, he, he, would have, he did not have any need or requirement to give the son anything. He could have called him as dead and never spoken to him as ever again in his life. But he chose to divide up the inheritance. We can't, we can't skip over that point. That is actually the reality. That this son should have been made dead, and yet the father gave him what he asked for. So it really shows the goodness of, of Father God, doesn't it? So we move on to the second son, who was really the first son. 
because he was the oldest son. But he's the second son in the story, so let's refer to him as the second son, the, the prideful son. And, and I, I think this cartoon really, uh, this drawing really pictures, I, I, all I see is pride on his face and arrogance and anger and hatred toward his brother. He's taken on the... He's taken on the offence of the father. He's taken on the, the offence the father should have done. He's like, you're dead to me. That didn't happen by the father. The father sat there waiting for the son to come home. And yet the son's taken this on board and he's like, my brother, he's dead to me. He's dead to me. He's the heir. He's the faithful one. He's the one who serves his father with every intention of seeing success. Did you know that the... In the, in the biblical times, the reason that the oldest son got the double portion of inheritance, the reason that he got that was because it was his responsibility when the father passed away, it was the oldest son's responsibility to step into the father's shoes and make sure he would preserve the wealth and the life and the livestock of the family. So therefore, the father would give him a double portion so that that would not be a burden to him. So when the little brother or something like that mucked up, the bigger brother was supposed to sort out the issue. Do you understand that? Like, that weight still carries sometimes today in the oldest sibling within our cultures and our families. The older, family, the older sibling always gets the justice side of things, is that right? That's when we, as parents, make our mistakes in bringing our kids up as if the oldest one. True? We're all making mistakes. Right? So if you're the oldest one in the house, uh, I'm sorry. Um, maybe, 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 maybe you just take that to God and he'll be sorry as well. But, but sons, this son, he understands justice really, really well. And you can see that on his face. He's just, he's just like, this is not just, this is injustice. And this is, this is from where he's coming from. This boy, he should be dead to us. And, and hear it in his voice when you, when you read it. You killed the fattened calf for him? You couldn't even give me a goat that I could celebrate my friends. I've served you my whole life. I've given myself to you. I've done everything you've asked. I've gone and found those sheep that have got lost. I've killed the wolves and the bears and the lions that have come. I've guaranteed our wealth because the wealth was found in the livestock that they have had. I've done everything you've asked of me and you couldn't even give me a goat to celebrate with my friends. And now you kill the fattened calf that was most likely for his wedding. You kill the fattened cow and celebrate with someone who should be dead to you. What do I hear? I hear? All I hear is selfishness and pride coming out. I've served you. I've served you. I've done this. I've done that. Sounds like the Pharisees. I've kept every dot. I've kept every title of the law. I've done this and I've done that and everything I've done. And now you open the door to the Gentiles? And they despise God and walk away. Because they despise Jesus. It sounds to me very religious. And ultimately at the core of that is selfishness, which was the same core 
of the first son in our analogy, in our parable, who walked away for selfish ambition. The son was serving his father for the same thing, selfishness. Because his father said, all that I have belongs to you anyway. Why wouldn't you do those things? Why wouldn't you guarantee your wealth? Why wouldn't you? I've given everything I have to you. If you just asked me for a goat, why? you didn't even have to ask for a goat. Take the goat. It's yours. Celebrate with your family. Celebrate with your friends. And what happens is idolatry has kept it, creeps in, and God calls that idolatry. In the Old Testament, he calls that adultery. Idolatry and adultery are the same things to God. Why? Because they walk off and they serve other gods. Because of this same selfishness, this same spirit that, that, that just causes them to take on offence with the Father. Why else would Jesus keep referring to the Father as Father? No one else in history called God Father anywhere near the amount of times as Jesus Christ. And this man, he's, he's, he's there. And he's, he's like, man... You killed the fatted calf with you. I've been craving meat for months. Couldn't even get a bit of quail, and you killed a fatted calf for him. Did you hear it? Because they didn't eat a lot of meat. It was mainly around celebrations that they had meat. We eat a lot of meat, thank God. I love meat. Amen. Someone else is going to get a third one on that one. Who loves meat? Sorry, Steve, pull back. Okay, the fatted calf, save for the celebration, save for the place, save for the delicacy that it is. Save. There's something drastically wrong in this picture. Because justice drives us to this place where we become hardened toward the love of God. There's something drastically wrong in this, in this image of the second son, who is the oldest one, who is supposed to have the responsibility. This son should have said, Dad, don't worry about your, your son. If you're going to show him grace, I will show him grace and I will pursue him and bring him back from Hollywood and bring him home. It was his responsibility to do such a thing. Yet, we all know the story is not just about two sons. Really, it's about the third son. The story is really telling the story of Jesus. It's, it's the story of the loving son. And I want to labour on this point a little because he's the ultimate brother. He's the one that shows the big brother what should have happened. He's telling the Pharisees what they should be doing from day one. The Pharisees or, or the, 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 the nation of Israel were called to be a light unto the Gentiles. And from day one, they failed that. And Jesus comes. And he's like, this is what the Father represents. This is what it should be. The third son, we read it every time we look at John's Gospel. The third son comes to this point when we get there. Hello, wake up. Are you there? There we go. John chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17. It's, it's your favourite verse. Many of you can quote it. But you see the word son in there. That God gave his only son. In, in other translations, the begotten of God, the begotten son of God. It's God himself. God would step into this world. That God would come. The 
And whosoever should believe in him might not perish but have everlasting life. That the third son is Jesus himself, the only begotten of God. And he steps into this world to save us from the depravity of sin and the consequences of that sin. <coughs> this third son is the Lamb of God who has come into the world, as I said in the very first week, to seek and to save that which was lost. And we were lost. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. third son teaches us what the older brother should have done. The younger brother should never have disrespected his father in the way that he did. But the older brother should never have disrespected his father in the way he did either. At the end of the day, we're either like the older brother or the younger brother. And Jesus comes to show us a better way. That even though this passage is relating in fact to taking up an offering, this passage, Jesus says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty become rich. And we grab the spiritual relationship of this passage and we understand that Jesus left the place of heaven. He left the power of the deity. He left the glory of God. He left the place where he was prospering in all areas. And the word of God became flesh. And he was born and laid in a food trough. We call it a beautiful name of a manger. We sing away in a manger. But ultimately, he was laid in a trough for animals. So Jesus understands the concept of the pig swell more than we ever give him ever give him credit for. He understands it because he stepped into it. it Philippians 2, it says this. It says, but emptied himself. Jesus, he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. He was born in the likeness of us. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point even of death, even death on the cross. The Bible says, cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree. Jesus became cursed to take your curse off of your life. A tree was fashioned into the shape of a cross. Don't make it a pretty image. It is an image of death and destruction. And he was cursed for our iniquities. He bore that so that we could come into salvation. This is what the big brother should have done. And Jesus shows us a better way. These two sons, whilst they failed their father and both did, we see Jesus the son come and show the better way. A more productive way. And he says this in Isaiah 53. It says, He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. 
He was esteemed, uh, sorry, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Listen to this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own ways. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. And he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. I don't know if you understand the depth of what it cost Jesus to come after you. He was rejected by his own people so that you and I could be sitting here today. And in his rejection, rejection you and I have been accepted. In his cursing, the curse on sin on our life has been broken. In his death, we have been given life. And the third son, Jesus, he gives us the way forward. He shows us how much we mean to him. He shows us how much we mean to God. And he does it by taking the nails into his hands and his feet. Jesus, he's done this. To show us the way to the Father. You and I are representative of the first two sons. But yet Jesus would pay the price that you and I could never pay to see us restored. Jesus makes the way open to the Father because he is, as the Bible tells us in John 14, the way, the truth, and the life. And the reality is, we were so lost in our own way, we couldn't see the truth, and therefore we had no life. We need Jesus. And you might be sitting there today, and you might think, wow, I've never heard that before. I've never heard how much I need Jesus in my life. If you just close your eyes for a moment, if you would just say, Jesus, I need you. If you would just say in your heart, I need you more than ever before. Jesus, reveal yourself to me. I want to be saved. He will come into your life. And if you have said that to him for the first time today, then you need to come and see me or one of the other pastors or someone else that you trust in the building today. And you need to say, I'm, I'm praying that Jesus would save me. Will you help? Because Jesus came into the world to save and to accept you, and to adopt you, so that you could, by the spirit of adoption, cry out, Abba, Father, which means it's quite simple for those of you that have done this before. You can say, Daddy, and Daddy God will accept you in all of your mess. And like the Father, as he falls upon the neck of his son, like the Father who kisses his son, and he brings the robe, and he brings the ring, and he brings shoes, and he brings everything that says, I accept you. And then he kills the fatted calf. Like that, God the Father will accept you home. 
So maybe you need Jesus today. But then there is this challenge, which I said there were four sons. The fourth son in the story today is actually you and I, who's sitting here hearing that story. And we're called to be the obedient son. Like Jesus, we're called to be like him. That, that, that together as the church, we are to be little sons of God. That now we are redeemed. Now we have been accepted and forgiven by the Father. Now, as little sons, because he calls you son, that we are to emulate our big brother. Not the second son, or the first son, but Jesus. The one who looked beyond the pigsty of sin and came for us. We are called to not sit on the fence and judge or complain about no fatted calf, but instead, instead seek and save the lost. Our brothers and sisters who do not yet know that Jesus is their saviour and encounter the goodness of our Father. Often people caught in the pigsty. The story refers to a Jewish boy. Often people found in the pigsty of their life. Many of them might know God. They may have encountered God once in their life and they've walked away and like that lost sheep have come to a place where they just rejected everything. And now they're in the sty of life. And, you know it's actually an okay thing for people to hit rock bottom. Do you know that? Rock bottom is the place where repentance can begin and restoration can begin. And there are people walking in the community today that, that, that we've been enabling in some way, shape or form. And we can't keep enabling them because they, 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 they have to come to the decision saying, like the first son that, that, that we talked about, like the first son, there, there's goodness in my father's house. There's bread enough to eat, even for the slaves. Like that, they've got to come to the place and say that of their own will. And if we keep propping them up, I'm not talking about those ones. I'm talking about those in another time. What I'm talking about today is there are sons and daughters of God out there who have never encountered the goodness of God. And they will only ever account, encounter the goodness of God through God's sons and daughters. They have no reference for God. In fact, they judge God by what a church has done, or they judge God by organised religion, or they judge God from whatever it is, from whatever worldview they have. They're socialists or they're feminists, or we can go down all the different ists and, and, and isms, and they, they justify their position, but they've got no reference for God. Fourth sons, you and I, ones who have encountered Jesus, we've got a reference point for them. We are that reference point. The son who was lost, the son who was depraved, the son who was in the picture, that was us. We were saved. And now we're called to be like Jesus and bring people into an encounter with Jesus through the beautiful ways of God. There are people in pigsties that need you to stand up 
and say, I'm a believer of Jesus. I'm a follower of his. My life is for him. And I'm pursuing him and his call with all that I've got. We want to lead into this place from increase to harvest. That's where it begins. That we would become sons like the fourth son who would pursue the world like Jesus, the third son in the story. We are called to do so and we're empowered to do so. It's called the dunamis power of God. He's the Holy Spirit. And he's the energy or the energy is the Greek word in our life to be able to see that all that we do, the efforts for God that we are, are doing, they, they, they come to fruition, that people's lives would be saved. This fourth son is you and I. And ultimately, as I conclude, I want to conclude with this verse. After this little mistake, saying, we are called. We are. Look at the person next to you and say, you are called. You're called. <laughs> We, the sons and daughters of God, we are called to go to the highways and the byways to find those whom he seeks. That's found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 23. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people. Compel literally means get up, come with me. You have no option. You are in dire straits. You are going to be lost. Come with me and you will be saved. That's what compel means. Compel them to come to my house. That my house may be filled. It's that desperate and we lose it in the translation of English. Compel means to do everything in your power to bring someone who is in the position of being lost into the place of salvation. And that's what Jesus did for us. So much so that he stands here today compelling you. Will you join me in this? The ultimate call of your life. Would you stand to your feet as the music team comes? Maybe just hold out your hands today. Increase the harvest. Increase the harvest. The Lord wants to increase something in your life today. And I think that's a burden for the lost. Whether they be lost sheep, lost coins, or lost sons. The Lord wants to increase something in your life today. You hold out your hands like you want to receive something from your Jesus, we stand before you with open hearts and open hands. We proclaim that we are yours. But Jesus, it's so easy to do that in this place that's safe. Today, will you break the fear of man off of our life that we can proclaim you in the streets, in the highways, in the byways, in the places where the lost are, no matter where that is, it might be the pub, it might be, it might be in the places that is undesirable for us to walk in. But Lord, will you set up places where we are able to proclaim you in the power of the third son, Jesus Christ, who would come and leave the goodness of heaven behind and step into this world into a depraved, 
wanting well. Jesus, you've shown us the way. We don't want to be like the Pharisees and looking down on our noses at people and ridiculing them, even putting our face in our foot in their face and keeping them downtrodden. Jesus, we repent of that today. Jesus, we want to be like you, the third son who would come and take up his cross and walk the walk as we talk the talk. Lord Jesus, would you do something in our life? Would you impart to us today the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the gospel, the power to be compelled to be lights in the community? Jesus, would you remove the bushels that we've been hiding behind, the fear of man, the fear of being caught, the fear of living life our way? Lord Jesus, we repent of our selfishness. We ask that you would do a work in our hearts today. Lord, as our hands are open, would you would you provide seed to the sower today? The seed that will be sown, that will grow into bread. The seed that will be sown in the tears as we weep for our city, as we weep for our nation. Jesus, would you help us that as we scatter seed, that as the word of God prophesies, Lord Jesus, that as we go and scatter, we will also reap at the same time. Lord, I thank you for the increase and I thank you, Lord God, for what you've done in our hearts and in our life today. Lord, move us to become about your harvest. Thank you for the provision of seed. Would you water the seeds that we've already planted, that we would see an increase in a harvest in this church, in this city, for the sake of the world. Father, for every person here today that needs a special touch of you, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them right now. Lord Jesus, convict us up unto the sons and daughters that we are. Restore us. Those who do not know you, Lord Jesus, would you accept them into the kingdom now as they say yes to you? They say yes to you, Lord. I pray that the harvest is plentiful. We say yes to you. Lord, ultimately, Ultimately, Lord, we are here as individuals responding to you and say, yes, here I am, send me. The harvest is ripe. The fields are full. The storehouse is empty, Lord God. We are greased in oil. We have the oil of the Holy Spirit. We have the word of God, which is our strength. We are the light to the world. Lord Jesus, would you convict us up to be harvesters today? Call us into the harvest field that the schools may be saved, that our workplaces may be saved, that our families will come into the kingdom of God, that we would compel those to come in because you have a mighty fine banquet, Lord Jesus. Lord, would we even be bold enough to say, as you went to prepare a home for us, Lord Jesus, I would ask that you would do even more abundantly above all of that and that you would begin to prepare homes 
Lord, for even more than you have. For Lord, there is a great white harvest out there that needs to be harvested. Today, you ask the skill, the power of the Holy Spirit, the right things to say and do as we represent you. Jesus, we're yours, yours alone. Church, this morning, this afternoon, it's just gone 12 o'clock. As the music team will lead us in a song, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, I'd like you to come out and have I will pray with you this morning. If you'd like to respond to the message that Jesus would come for you and that you need to come for him, then I'd love to lead you into his presence today. I'd love to lead you into an encounter that says you are saved. Or maybe, church, you're just there and you're wanting prayer for something. Maybe you're wanting healing. Maybe you're believing for a breakthrough in your life. Would you come and we would pray with you also? So thank you, team, as you lead us in a song today. Don't waste. Move in haste. The time is short. The kingdom is nigh. And we are ready for the kingdom of, the, of expansion, aren't we? The expansion of the kingdom. Just come today if you want prayer for anything. More importantly, if you want to give your life to Jesus, come. Allow me to lead you in that prayer today.